Welcome to the Writing Block Podcast, where we talk all things writing and indie publishing. Today we're talking with author Allie Welch about the year we're leaving behind and the year ahead. How's everyone doing today? Great. Good. Good. I don't really know what there is to say about 2020. If anyone wants to jump in, it's probably all been said already. <laughs> yep. I think the key word for the year is resilience. I feel like it showed who has it and who who maybe could work on it. Like, how will people cope with the air, I think? Definitely. Well, um, let's just dive into the writing side of things, since I feel like there are going to be professionals dissecting this year for centuries to come. What was 2020 like for you as a writer? One of my more productive years, actually. Yeah, me too. We've talked before about it, but I tend to do a lot of, like, theater and film work, and since I couldn't do that... I was able to sit down and focus more on doing my own thing. That's cool. Do you want to tell your listeners a little bit about the story collection that you published? Yeah. Um, so I released a collection of short stories called Silly Little Monsters. I've actually, I've been butting my head against a novel for years now, and just it could never quite come together. And I thought, you know, I think I need to start smaller. And I believe it was last year, Writing Block had their Deception Anthology. And I had a short story that seemed like it fits the theme. And fortunately, Alpha was accepted. And Alpha is also the story that leads my collection. It spans different genres, but it's basically a, kind of exploring the process of, you know, transitioning from childhood into adulthood and the different trials and tribulations that go along with that. Nice. I was actually also very productive. I feel like our listeners are going to hate us. <laughs> that was true for all of us. We had a great year for our writing. <laughs> uh, I think I realized that, okay, so leading up to last year, I was very excited because I know, Jackie, you had a similar experience. Both of my kids were going to be in school at the same time for the first time. And so my littlest one was in preschool and my oldest one was in kindergarten. And there were two days where I had an hour and a half of free time every week. And I thought that this was going to be like such a game changer for my writing. And so I was going to coffee shops for those hour and a half. I was getting so much done. And then the pandemic happened and I was like, well, there goes, <laughs> there it goes. But what I think it actually did is it gave me a little bit of a feeling of permission to, you know, just survive and do what I needed to do and not be interacting with them every second that they that we were together. And so I sat my kids in front of the TV a lot more than I had done previously, because, you know, parenting 24 seven, and then I used that time, instead of feeling guilty about it, I used that to write. And I ended up actually writing for a few hours every day. And getting through a draft of On Home, which will hopefully be out this coming summer, uh, finishing up the third draft of The Book of Great and Tiny Things, which is in the Inkshares contest, uh, and working on the nonfiction punk book that I have to finish this coming year. So I actually got a lot done. I am taking the last couple weeks to just be present with the kids for the most part since I let them have so much screen time. <laughs> I'm taking a writing break <laughs> until the beginning of the year. 
Uh, but I let a few other things, I let a lot go, actually. I haven't been playing the banjo as much. Um, like I said, I tried to feel less guilty about <laughs> not being with my kids every second. But writing, I I really just leaned into it, I guess. I, I hate that, <laughs> the whole lean-in culture. But, you know, I went for it. That's great. Yeah. What about you, Carrie? I feel like I bit, I did pretty well too. Um, it's it's complicated this year. This year's just been so complicated. I was partially furloughed from my job for most of the year, so I had an extra day a week to get things done. But a lot of that extra day kind of morphed into helping with online school and just kind of like trying to not fall behind from keeping up with online school. And also trying to dissociate myself from feeling like my identity is tied up in how well my child does in school. So there was a lot of like kind of extra stuff going on. But luckily writing, you know, was there for me to keep me occupied. And I don't want to say distracted because I want to be present with my writing and I want to put as much of myself as I can into it. But it was something, it was kind of like a refuge for me when dealing with all of this other stuff. So I completed probably, what, six drafts of the book that's with my agent. And I completed a draft of a third book. And it feels so weird to call it a third book, but like a third book that the world has seen. (laughs) There's like 10 other ones in the drawer. But that book is, I'm getting that ready for my agent now. And then I'm currently working on a novella, which I had started during NaNoWriMo and didn't finish after we had that whole podcast about our goals and everything. Yeah, I'm not beating myself up. I didn't finish it, but I am going to finish it, which I think is a good thing. Just because I didn't finish it in November, that doesn't mean that I didn't make progress. I'm somewhere around like 26,000 words on it. So I feel like it'll probably get it's going to be 50. So I feel like it's going to get done. So I feel pretty good about everything. And we edited, I edited so many books this year too. I think I edited like six books, some of them freelance and some of them for writing blocks. So very busy with that. Totally. Carrie, about kind of detaching yourself from your sense of accomplishment being tied to like your kid's achievement in school. I was so in kindergarten for my kid, and well, and preschool too, you know, I'm doing pickups, drop-offs, I have to walk my kid to the classroom every time, I'm going to volunteer in the library every week, and I'm going to be at every class party, whatever, which not to say it's a bad thing, but distance learning, I think, even though it's been hard, just having the bar lowered has <laughs> given me a sense of freedom, <laughs> Because the bar is lowered for everybody. <laughs> like, okay, he's there. He's doing the distance learning. That's, <laughs> I'm good. I can go right. Yeah. Hear that. How about you, Jackie? I'm similar. Yeah, I felt like the bar has kind of been lowered. I've seen this connection between my kids that, you know, has kind of been a silver lining through some of this and that they're playing uh, a little more together. They're not uh, super close in age. They're almost four years apart. But I think that they've kind of rediscovered each other and that, you know, they're the only playmates they have at the moment. So they have to kind of work it out. And so they've been really creative and, and that's been really sweet to watch. And um, 
Yeah, I think just letting the pressure off on myself when we're all just in survival mode has been really an important lesson to learn. So kind of like uh, Becca, I've been just uh, going easy on myself when we have a little bit more screen time or I'm not present at every moment of the day because we can't be at the moment, uh, but we do have a lot more uh, connection than we did before. And so it just has to be all right for now. But as far as writing, you know, I'm working on probably a fourth draft of the Seclusion sequel, which will hopefully be out in the late summer or early fall 2021. And I'm feeling pretty good about this draft. I think that I'll turn it in in the next two weeks, and I think it will be pretty close to copy edit. So we'll see. And then, like Carrie, I, my NaNoWriMo project kind of <laughs> got cut short because I got um, another project returned to me to work on. But I, I think that maybe I did about 25,000 words in November. And, you know, considering all that's going on, I'm really happy with that. And um, and then have almost finished a draft of of a book I started last year. And I've also been writing a pilot alongside of it. And so that's been just a really fun exercise to do some script writing and um, improve my dialogue writing, which has been a really great benefit of that practice. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm pleased with the way the writing year has gone. And it's helped me, I think, hold on to my sanity a little bit just to have some projects as anchors in this uh, insane time we're living in. Yes. Yeah. We probably should have had somebody on who got nothing done. <laughs> well, and I, I would like to say there were there were times I got nothing done. And so 10 months is a long time. And there were definitely like one to two months stretches in there where I got nothing done. And it just took yeah. me a while and I had to like, you know, feel the burnout for a little bit and, and just do nothing and except for thousand piece puzzles because, you know, depression was setting in and I just couldn't focus. And I also just had a, an easier time letting that be okay than I ever have in my life. And so ups and downs, but also not putting the pressure on myself to make it be something that it wasn't. For the people who didn't get anything done, I think it's the same thing as you said, Jackie. I mean, if you if you had to take that time to take care of yourself and your family and whatever else might be going on at work, it's totally fine. I mean, like we said in the last podcast, don't beat yourself up. You know, if you weren't a maniac productive, I saw all these tweets going on about how like, now that we're in lockdown, you have no excuse to finish that novel. And I'm like, well, first of all, not everyone is in lockdown. Some of us are essential workers. Some of us have to still work with the public, no matter what. And second of all, like, what if you're too focused on your mental health to write that novel? I mean, I would rather have you, you know, the general you as an author, be here and present and working on your mental health rather than burning the midnight oil to get a book done just because we're in lockdown. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. And, and I think in the beginning, lockdown meant a lifting of responsibilities. Like so many businesses were scrambling to figure out what work from home meant. But then within a month or two, it's like so many people didn't have fewer responsibilities. And right. many people that I knew their workday was just extended because they were expected to be available all the time while juggling children. And so I think however you manage to survive this year, is perfectly fine. <laughs> uh, we all had to do what we had to do. And it kind of comes in phases too. Like over the summer, our cases were down in Ohio. So we were able to get out outside and have outdoor play dates and hikes and things like that, where 
my kids could actually see other people's kids, like no hugging involved, but we could still do some things. Now it's our cases are so high that you can't really do anything indoors with anyone else. So feels a little bit more isolated. I don't know. How about the rest of you? How are you feeling at this point in time? Oh, it's terrifying. In Southern California, it's really scary. We have zero ICU beds and people are just being super cavalier. Not just cavalier, but assholes, frankly. (laughs) And so, yeah, I think kind of like Jackie, I'm using, even though I'm taking a break for this like week-long period, thinking about my projects and reading and in general writing right now is an escape and like something I can control. But yeah, like I said, if this was a banjo podcast or a parenting podcast, I'd be talking about how I was failing. Banjo podcast. Yeah. A side note, writing block banjo podcast to come next year. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't really played my bassoon either. And I found myself missing my group, like my bassoon ensemble, because we haven't been able to play together for a year. And, um, So I pulled out my bassoon the other day and just like played through some Christmas tunes. And I was like, yeah, I gotta, if we're ever going to play together again, I've got to get my uh, act together. Yeah. I was talking to a friend about how I kind of felt guilty about not playing the banjo. And this could definitely apply to writing. Felt guilty because I was like, it's so easy. It's something I can do at home when I can't go anywhere. And it's easy. And he said, it's not easy. It takes emotion and heart and like focus. And those things are all really difficult right now. And writing is the same. Yeah, for sure. I think Becca, were you the one who was saying that reading was a refuge for you too? Yeah. And so many things seem so relevant. Like I read, I just happened to read, it had been on my to be read list forever, Bel Canto by Ann Patchett. And it was I read it in March or April, and so much of it was so relevant. Like, even though, for those of you who haven't heard of it, it's this big party that ends up being taken hostage by terrorists in South America. And they eventually, the hostages eventually just kind of build their little life, this whole world within the walls of this house. And it felt very relevant to lockdown. I love that book, though. I read it years ago. And I recommended it to someone recently. So it's definitely still relevant. Um, I read a lot of books this year. I don't even want to say how many because I don't want people trying to compare themselves. <laughs> Just say it. Just, Just tell us. us. <laughs> 182. Oh my God. Wow. <laughs> That's the most books I've read in my entire life ever since I've been counting, even since before I had children. So clearly, um, well, there's a couple of things that go into it. Number one, I'm a really fast reader. And number two, with not being able to do like our usual leisure activities, like going out and doing things, <laughs> I it's kind of like the thing that I just default to. And especially if I'm feeling not feeling inspired and want to just get a sense of someone else's writing someone else doing the thing that I'm trying to do yeah so I just and I also since I read three books a month for book list if I ever want to read anything that's not like a book report assignment then I have to read other things 
I ended up reading 45 and my goal is 52. I feel pretty good about it considering and especially considering a lot of where I usually read is audiobooks during pickups and drop offs. So I didn't have that and I still got to 45. So I'm going to take it. Yeah, I think I made it to 40. But I felt I felt good about it. I just because I think a lot of it was like the second half of the year, the first couple months of COVID, I was just having such a hard time focusing. And so that I was able to hit that in the grand scheme of things was okay with me. Yeah, that's great. Some people need to be able to focus to read, like they have to be in it all the way. So it requires that extra, you know, immersion. But I'm kind of like, it's kind of like a default thing for me. I just, I just inhale text. Like when I look at a paragraph, I just read the whole thing. And like, it's weird. I, my husband make, makes fun of me because when I'm really drunk, I'll just read things that I see <laughs> just randomly. So it's just like my brain's default mode is just to read stuff. You know, it's almost like a default mode for me. It's just kind of like nothing to do, feel crappy, everything sucks. Where's the Kindle? (laughs) I have friends who like beat them because I'm in the library community. They beat themselves up when they don't get to like they compare each other's book totals. They see they might see a book being talked about and then they feel bad because they haven't read it or like they just didn't get into it. And I just tell people like what you read is your own. It's your own thing. And when you talk about it, it's not like you're bragging or even, you know, feeling lesser than other people who have read more books or different books or whatnot. It's like it's it's your thing. So be proud of your thing and do your thing. And if you didn't like the book, it's okay. Just don't tag the author in the review. And I think sometimes when you like get too much into those challenges and you're like, I need to hit 50 books this year, then you're almost like reading with this sort of resentment, which is not the way you should be enjoying a story. Right, exactly. Yeah, I've I've had people tell me that before that like, you know, they're trying to hit the reading goal and they're just they're feeling stressed out. So they're just reading the pages and like, it's just not fun at that point. Right. All right. Well, let's talk about some of our favorite reads of the year. I thought maybe we could touch on indie reads as well as traditionally published books if anyone has any they want to give a shout out to i read Faye child by jane holly meister (laughs) which is one of our um writing block friends uh she published this through quill through ink shares and i thought it was so fun um portal Faye fantasy would you say like middle grade ya like kind of on the cusp I would say that I read it too. And it was I thought my son's 11. And I as I read it, I thought he would love it. Um, But I think it it had some um, parts that were probably enjoyable for YA as well. And I actually I thought it was really impressive how she I mean, of course, adults like to read middle grade YA stuff too. But she had some stuff that was layered. For me, it spoke to me as a parent, like the things that we give up of our lives as parents, I thought was kind of subtly in there that a kid might not pick up on, but mm-hmm. I thought it was really beautifully done. Allie, you with us again? Yeah, I, um, most of what I've read has been like catching up on books from like 2018, 2019. Um, most recently, I just finished Warcross and Wildcard by Marie Lu. She had started with, she had um, a dystopian series legend and I feel like Warcross and Wildcard kind of built in an idea she introduced where it's this, it's science fiction it's set in like the non-too-distant future and basically everybody has these special glasses that lets them like 
give them all this information. Like if they're in a different country, they can see the language and, you know, understand the translations and things. And there's also this international sporting event that's basically like player versus player. It's kind of like, sort of like Tron, but a little more modern than that. And in the second book, Wildcard especially, she starts to get more into these really um, deep existential questions about what it means to be human life after death, things like that, and it kind of blew me away. Like, it started out as, like, kind of like a light science fiction read, and it went to a completely different direction. It was really exciting. And then the other ones I read is um, Marissa Meyer, her Renegade trilogy. It's kind of like a superhero type thing. It's just her writing, she always has such vivid characters. It's always so easy. I'm surprised that nothing she's made has been, like, optioned for film yet. I've been keeping my reading a bit more light. I read the Scythe Trilogy by Neil Shusterman. It's a YA series that should be made into some kind of cinematic. There was definitely some like crazy over-the-top things that happened that I was like, really? But overall, I thought it was... Uh, it had a lot of depth to it, especially the third book. I think for me with like YA, even and especially if it's like fantasy or science fiction or horror, what's important for me is that the human characters always remain believable, no matter how like outlandish the scenarios are. And I think like Marissa Mayer and um, Marie Lou are two that are really great at that. The characters always feel real. Like there's never like a false note. So another kind of friend of writing blocks book that I read this year was Adult Conversation by Brandy Ferner, who was on I think the Parenting. Oh yeah, episode. it was so fun. It was an adventure, is what I'll say. <laughs> and also so relatable as a mom. <laughs> I just want to give a shout out to two other indie-ish books that I read. On Cinco Puntos Press, Isabel Quintero, who is very local to me, wrote Gabby, A Girl in Pieces, which is wonderful. It's about a high school Mexican-American girl who is struggling with her emerging sexuality, her desire to go to college, uh, her dad's drug addiction, so many things. And it's all in the form of diary entries. And I really enjoyed it. And then Disha Filia with um, WVU Press, so a university press, released The Secret Lives of Church Ladies, which is this awesome collection of short stories about Black women who are involved in the church and their like kind of secret behind the scenes, not so churchy lives. And it is so incredible. I could not put it down. It's a National Book Awards finalist, um, which is also really awesome. But I couldn't put it down. You know, some books I can't put down because it's like, I need to know what happens. But this one I couldn't put down because I just felt like I was hanging out with people I liked and wanted to hear talking and wanted to be around and wanted to hear their stories. And I just wanted to like, be with the book. It was so cool. So definitely pick up those if you'd like some indie books by women of color that are just like so easily and wonderfully digestible and enjoyable. One book that that I loved this year, I don't know if you guys have read it yet, was Violet by Scott Thomas. I still haven't read it. I feel terrible. It was wonderful. I mean, I loved his first book, Kill Creek, as well. We share a, a publisher and but his book, Violet, I guess came out last summer. It was just, it was gorgeous. It was a horror novel about a mother and a daughter who go to a house that is haunted in some way and uh, kind of revisit the mother's past. The daughter is now the age that the mother was when she left. And it's just like a really layered story about a relationship between a mom and a daughter with a lot of horror thrown in. And it was just very well written. 
And I listened to it in audiobook form and the narrator was amazing. So highly recommend. Cool. I do not usually get into horror, but I read Mexican Gothic by Silvia Moreno Garcia. Oh, I just read that too. (laughs) Oh, I loved it. (laughs) Everyone is talking about that book at like, that's one of those books that I'm like, I have to read it at some point. I have it on my Kindle. I started like the first 10 pages and then I just couldn't get into it. But now it's one of those things where it's like, I'm missing the party if I don't read Mexican Gothic. It's like body horror that actually gave me like physical creeps, <laughs> goosebumps, <laughs> but it has an amazing, um, like an amazing family saga and story tied into it. I really loved it. Yeah. And for me, Carrie, the beginning was it took a little while to get going. But then the second half of the book, it just devoured it. Like it was just so fast paced. And um, I don't know, the thing that stood out to me was just the personification of the house as as the story went on. Like it was just a really unique way to portray a house haunting, I suppose. Like it, it really gets under your skin and um, it's very well done. Literally under your skin. <laughs> not to give anything away. <laughs> um, that's not indie though. No, but it's great. We can jump on to traditional if you'd like. My favorite book of the year was The City We Became by N.K. Jemison. If you haven't read it yet, you should remedy that immediately. It's gorgeous. It's kind of an urban fantasy, and I'm not usually a huge fantasy reader, but it reminded me a lot of like um, American Gods, and it uh-huh. it kind of revolves around like all of the boroughs of the city coming to life to save New York, and it was just a very it was really well done. Um, so each kind of borough is like the personification of that borough. And so you have a character that's the Bronx and one that's Queens. And it's just, it's really neat to uh, see how she depicts each of them. She is an amazing writer. I, I love her writing. Another book that was really, really good by a Black author was The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett. I think every single librarian in the country loved The Vanishing Half when I was doing the Twitter library and favorites where we count all of the votes for everything. The top books were the city we became the vanishing half. And I, I don't remember the other ones, but I remember those ones were on the top. I didn't read the vanishing half, but also by Britt Bennett. I read the mothers this year, which is also wonderful. I haven't read the mothers, but I really want to listen to it because if it's the same reader, the reader for Vanishing Half was so good. Um, And I'm not, I don't usually go for historical fiction, but because I had the audiobook and I thought, well, you know, I'll give it a shot. And I loved it. The mothers I found was a really great study in place-based writing. And, you know, so much place-based writing that you study is about rural places, like what I do, or like somewhere far away you know but this was I mean it's based in San Diego but the very visceral feeling that Bennett gives through her description of San Diego is masterful I thought yeah another one that I really enjoyed was Queenie by Candace Carty Williams that one was just oh I read Queenie I like that one Mrs. Everything by Jennifer Weiner made me sob what is that about Okay, so two Jewish sisters in the, I think, the late 1950s who are growing up, they go through different versions of the hippie stage. One of them is a lesbian. They have different falling outs throughout their lives. Um, And you know, starting from the beginning, that one of them is sick and likely dying. And 
it gives the picture of their whole life and sisterly relationship, <laughs> as well as kind of a sense of each of the eras that they lived through. And I was in actual tears by the end. I'm going to have to buy everything we've mentioned that I haven't read yet. <laughs> I, know, sound great. I know. Oh, The Testaments by Margaret oh, Atwood. I did I read that. <laughs> trying to, I'm looking through my list. I didn't hear the whole discussion of Mrs. Everything because my kids were in here and like yelling and I had to mute. And then my headset fell off my head and fell onto my guitar that's over here in the corner. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was wild. Um, but I really like that book, too. But I also do love when we mention books that we've all read, yeah, too, because too. it just feels like a little bit of a connection. Oh, yeah. Jackie, you also read Here and Now and Then this year, right? I just read it. I loved it. I did um, that library journal panel with Mike and Mike Chen. And um, yeah, it was, it was so great. I think I read it in like three days. And it was about um, kind of a time travel story. But also, you know, about connection to family. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. And totally from you had that wish fulfillment um, role of like, you want to be able to fix your children's lives and make sure that everything is okay and know that they turned out okay. I think I made me cry. And a book automatically gets like, that's like my, if it makes me cry, then it gets five stars immediately. I'm like, okay, you win. <laughs> you win. Frederick Bachman's one of my favorite authors, but Anxious People was phenomenal. I haven't read him, but he is also very popular at my library. He, I would recommend it. I, I really love him. He's a Swedish author. He's Prose is just very lyrical and sweet. And or it was about a bank robbery gone wrong, basically. The bank robber ends up basically hiding this in this apartment during an open house. And then it's just kind of about the stories of all the people that are stuck in there with the bank robber um, and them all coming together full circle. But it's a, it's a you know, lighthearted, funny story, but also about the human condition and, and, and intense. It actually sounds like it might have some parallels to Belcanto that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, man, I mean, anything of Bachman's, it's like, it's very light on the surface. And then you find yourself crying, you know, at least once a chapter, and you're like, what are you doing to me? But um, cool. And uh, I read I read the, the Power by Naomi Alderman, but I don't think that actually came out this year. I think that came out last year. And um, Barack Obama had read it. So a lot of people were really in. It's just so funny. Like when whenever he comes out with his reading list, people are like, they jump on it. We get all these requests for it at the library. And I was at the local bookstore picking up some pre like Christmas gifts. And a, a girl was saying to the cashier, oh, I just love this book. Barack Obama read it. <laughs> and it was Buster <laughs> by Raven Leilani. And I, I love that book another black author who it's just, and I follow her on Twitter and I feel so bad for her because she lost her dad to COVID this year. And like, this was the year when she should have been not having that kind of sorrow in her life because her, it's her debut and it's so, so good. It's about uh, a young black woman who gets into a relationship with an older white guy who is either was married or is still married and he, she kind of has a weird relationship with his family, and it's just really well written. Reminded me a lot of Queenie, so Luster, and yeah, Barack Obama liked that one too. So I'm glad at least she's getting the exposure that she deserves, but I just think of her a lot just because of her personal tragedy. It's just really crappy how many people we've lost this year, but we are forging ahead the best that we can. 
Yeah, that's terrible. But nice to hear about her book. Another book by a Black woman that really, I think, helped me think about whiteness as a white woman uh, is Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed. I thought that that's what you were going to (laughs) say. And again, like super quick, enjoyable read, but really examines the relationship between a Black nanny and her white boss. And uh, I don't even know what to say with it. It's very intense. It's, again, like somewhat light on the surface because it's like a fun read, but is a very intense and damning look at white privilege. Important. For sure. I definitely felt that. And the last few lines of the book are just, they kind of gut you. We're making book bundles for people to come and check out because our library is closed to the public right now. We're doing curbside and drive up window service. And I put that book into our book club fiction bag because that's definitely a good one for book clubs and for many of us to see what we might have been missing. Yeah, there was so many great books published this year. I mean, at least that's one good thing about having to be isolated and is that I did have more time to read more of those amazing books. Jackie, I think what were we going to talk about next about our goals for 2021? Let's talk about what 2021 might look like for us as writers. I would like to finish this book that I wrote the draft of. I'm sure that my agent will have a million things she wants me to change. So it'll go through, you know, six more drafts probably by the time it's done. But at least I want it to be in like early form, I guess, like readable. You can read it from point A to point Z and it makes sense. Logically, mostly. And then I'd like to get the novella finished. And I have another book that I had started working on a couple years ago that I've been feeling kind of compelled to go back and take another look at. So I'm thinking about that. And probably some more books with writing block coming out. We don't have any any firm release dates yet for 2021. But I know there will be some things that I'll be doing. There's a lot of talented people in the group and I'm sure there's going to be some sort of publication. I think I'm working again. Yay! <laughs> we'll go with this one first. So I'm working on a couple novels. I've got like, I've got like three actually in process right now. Cause I found that I work best if I jump between projects. One I've been working on the most, it's a better me. It's going to be urban fantasy, but it seems like it's coming about very differently. The most urban fantasy I've read Hopefully that's a good thing. And it's basically um, this uncertain 20-something. She's lacking direction and her world gets upset in this really big way that also has her questioning if there's a better way of going about doing things. I don't want to say too much more about it because they give away too much, but it's been fun to write because I've been, this one's actually set in Buffalo close to where I live. And then I've got another one that I've been working on. The tentative title right now is Drama Queen. And this one's actually taking place off, off Broadway, New York City. And it's an actress who finds herself in the middle of this real-life murder mystery that might have a supernatural bend to it. But she's this person that's kind of known for being really chaotic and overly dramatic, and nobody's believing her at first. Those both sound really good. Did you say there was a third one? That one's not as far in development. That's picking up a lot more of stuff that I was dealing with in this novel in progress that I've never really gotten finished. And that one's actually going to be probably the darkest of the three projects I'm working on, but that's very early in its development. Yeah, I hear you on that. I always have like 
several things that are in different phases. I have noticed that before when I was writing, I was originally aiming towards young adults. And after um, Silly Little Monsters, I feel like I've kind of like gone through a lot of the things that I wanted to address and like, right, like want to move on past like the high school years and things. So these books are like most of the characters, like more like, you know, early adulthood. So it's been kind of an interesting transition of where I began and like what I'm leaning towards. Cool. That sounds good. So I want to, well, I actually did just finish another draft of On Home and I got the approval on the first five chapters, which is pretty exciting. And I want to go through the rest of it one more time and then send it to my editor and hopefully they'll like the rest of it. I need to finish another draft of the book of Great and Tiny Things because I've had some more thoughts about it, things I want to change. I'm going to finish the punk book. Hopefully I have some more interviews to do for it. And then something I just had the idea for, which you know how like those ideas just you get them and you're like, oh, that's kind of silly. But then you just keep building it in your head. And you're like, well, I guess I need to write this now. <laughs> so <laughs> over Christmas, I had this idea for a Christmas rom-com short story, which is so unlike anything I've ever done <laughs> before, because I'm not really a huge rom-com person. I'm Jewish. So I have this idea where there's this like, a, there's this obscure holiday album that these two people have listened to every year for 20 years. And suddenly one year when it gets closer to Christmas, they go to listen to it and find out that it's been taken down. Like the the, mu- the streaming music has been taken down from online. And so they have to like go on this hunt to find it and in the process, find each other. Aww. I want to read it. That sounds really cute. That could easily be a novel as well. I mean, who knows what it'll turn into, but I think after I do these drafts, after I finish these drafts, I'm going to try to draft something just to do like a little freebie for next next Christmas. My Christmas story got picked up for the Gestalt anthology. Ooh, cool. I totally forgot about it because it was last December that I wrote it and I got an email saying that would be included, so... Whenever that comes out, you can read my short story about Christmas and aliens that I forgot I wrote. <laughs> Jackie, did you say your goals yet? Oh, goals. Let's see. Oh, man. I don't know. I feel like in my head, the year is like, it's two different years. It's like, okay, us getting through April or May or June or, or whenever, you know, we get vaccinated and, and the world can be a little safer and then whatever comes next. <laughs> And so I have kind of goals divided into both. But as far as general writing goals, I'd, I'd like to get the book, The Seclusion Sequel, which is my in-production book, approved onto copy edit and, and just kind of working its way towards release, which we're hoping will be the end of summer, early fall. And um, I'd like to get this other story that I, I wrote last year for NaNoWriMo, which is almost done, just get it query ready um, by the end of the year will probably be my goal there. And then I have one other one that is the, the one that I wrote for NaNoWriMo this year and just got about 20 some odd thousand words done. I'd like to power through a first draft of that. Um, and those are kind of my loose goals. And then I think I'm going to avoid putting any other goals on myself. I'm just going to, you know, work, chug along with those and see how the year goes. You know, I'd, I'd love by the end of the year to be seeing people in person again and, and do some of that because I really enjoy events with other people. And so hopefully we can I'll do that again in a safe way, maybe find a way for 
us to see each other in the fall yeah. would be lovely. Aww. I would love to do, now that I have actual books that I can take to an event, I would love to have them at an event. Here's to a happier 2021. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Ali, why don't you go ahead and tell everyone how they can keep up with you and your short stories? Okay. Um, I do have a personal website. I also do a lot of blogging there. That's AllieWelsh.com. And my anthology, Silly Little Monsters, it's available for both the Kindle and Nook. And you can also buy paperbacks on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Thanks for listening to the Writing Block Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and will subscribe to hear our future episodes. We want to thank the Writing Block community for the continued support. You can find us on Twitter or Facebook or at writingblock.com, no K. Remember to subscribe, share, and tell your friends. Thanks, everyone, and happy writing. Happy writing.